This morning, we are entering the part of the Torah that is known as Kitavo, when you will arrive in the land, and it's a beautiful reading from the Torah, or at least the beginning of it is, and part of it in the middle, and then the end is beautiful, but there's a little piece in the middle that's a little bit discomforting and discomforting, and but it all starts off well. The Barsha begins with a promise that you will enter the land, by the way, which is not a given at this moment. So the fact that it is a fait accompli, that the Torah begins this morning and the name of the Parsha from Kitavo, when you will arrive in the land, is already good news. It's like, hey, let's stop there. Great, we're going to make it to the land. Not everybody gets into the land. Notably, the one who's saying these words doesn't get into the land. It's kind of like when you get there, but, but I won't. When you get to the land, here's something important about when you get to the land. Moses, the teacher, says, when you get to the land, make sure that whatever blessing you experience, you thank the one who gave it to you. That a precondition of being in the land is that the land requires of its citizens, its inhabitants, those who live there, to have a degree of awareness of the givenness of the things that are seemingly given. They're given, and that that is often alighted over, or that we kind of assume it, is not the assumption of the text. In fact, the text, or maybe it is the assumption of the text, and that's why the text tells us not to forget, because it very quickly becomes commonplace. Even the fact that we have fruit on the trees and other givens. Right? This is not an Ayn Randian text. The text of the Torah is decidedly all too happy for people to succeed as long as their success does not in some way obfuscate the dependency and vulnerability that we human beings often forget in arriving or achieving something. Hey, look at me. Those are my carrots. Oh, really? Sure, I worked hard. Bring all of your first fruits to the temple and then thank God in the temple. So that's the way the Torah portion begins. But the part that we're going to pick up on is where I talked a little bit about that discomforting piece in the middle, the kind of discomfort sandwich. Here we go. Turn in your Chumashim, your red Bibles, to page 1146. 1146. Verse 11. And Moses commanded the people at that, on that day, saying, verse 11, now verse 12, Yarden, Verse 12, These will be the tribes that stand on the mountain of Gerizim when a blessing of the people is spoken. These are their names, Simon and Levi, Judah, Yisachar, Joseph and Benjamin. And for the curses, the following shall stand up on Mount Ebal, or Eval. The Levites shall then proclaim in a kol ram, in a loudspeaker, to all the people of Israel. 
What's happening here? How many people have heard of this part of the Bible? Anybody here? And if, if you know it, raise your hand loud and proud, because a lot of us don't. So who knows it? Great. So I'm going to assume if you didn't raise your hand, you're either super shy, but I don't think that that's this community. You didn't hear the story. So what's the story? Moses is about to die. We're in the book of Deuteronomy. There are five big, big speeches that Moses, the one who has no words, speaks to the people. The man who has no words speaks a lot. In fact, the entire book of Deuteronomy, the entire last book of the five books of Moses, are his own words. And in his own words, he is now coming to the people and telling them, hey everybody, here's what you have to do to live well after I die. Here's what you have to do when you lay, you know, you're going to make it to the land. I won't be there with you. And here's what you're going to do when you get into the land that's on the other side of the Jordan, the Trans-Jordan land. Here's what you have to do. Anybody who is reading with me in the Hebrew and the English want to tell me what I just read? There are going to be a group of tribes who are going to stand on one mountain. They're going to proclaim blessings. And then there's going to be another group, right? Another group of tribes who are going to stand on a different mountain called Eval, and they're going to be reciting, well, they're not really going to recite them. The priests or the Levite priests are going to recite the curses and the blessings. And each group of tribes will say Amen to the blessings and the curses. This is Blessing Mountain. In between, there's Hushabai Mountain, and then there is Curse Mountain. So, two mountains, two fates. Here's mountain number one, mountain number two. Everybody got that? Like, I know there are lots of things we could say, like, is that really in the Bible? That's really in the Bible. So these two groups, these two sets of tribes are going to each receive blessings and curses, the ones that will be recited by, or not recited. So here's a powerful moment. And Moses commanded the nation at that moment, says that one of the great commentators, the Nachal Kidumim, that the words, Bayom, I'm sorry, Et ha'am, bayom ha'hu le'mor, those words, the nation on that day saying, the first letter of each of those words, Aleph, Bet, Hey, I'm sorry, Aleph, Hey, Bet, Hey, et ha'am, bayom ha'hu, the nation on that day, spells the word love, that Moses commanded the people and spoke to them from a place of love and said to them, I am about to set before you blessings and curses, And of all of the things that one could say about this, what strikes me is a comment from Ephraim Lunschitz, known as the Kliyakar, who wonders about the division of the two sets of tribes, one on the mountain of blessing and one on the mountain of curses. And he says, how did they get to the even number? How did they get to this even number? The eldest child of Leah, Reuven, and the youngest child of Leah went to stand on the cursing mountain. You might have, if you knew the story, you might have just jumped over this. I did, until yesterday. In addition to all of the strangeness of the curses on a mountain and the blessings on a mountain, the notion that Moses, as a great leader, has to set forth before the people the consequences of their actions. That indeed, 
when we act in a certain way, there is blessing, whether we like it or not. Whether you believe in divine blessing or you just believe in karma or some version of natural consequences of cause and effect, there are certain causes that set inexorably the direction of blessing. And the converse, that there are directions that we take whose consequences as quote-unquote curse are the absence of blessing that we might have had had we gone down a different road. That Moses, as a responsible leader and parent, has to set before the people the reality of their behavior and say to them with absolute clarity, nothing PC in this moment. Behave one way and you will have life. Behave in another way and it won't be so good. And often when we say, oh, I don't want to hear those curses, right, we close off the reality of responsibility. Because we say, I don't believe in a God who curses in that way, but if we hear them in a different theological vein, a different tone, is it not true that there are curses and blessings that happen through behaviors, and especially the ones that you'll see enumerated? But for a moment, just if we pull back from that, I want to highlight what I said I didn't see until yesterday about the tribes. Because it's significant that the tribe of Reuven, the eldest tribe, and the youngest tribe of the mother Leah go to stand together on the cursing mountain. According to this one commentator, the eldest child of Leah, Reuven, should have been on the blessing mountain. Because when you see the tribes that are enumerated on Blessing Mountain, it begins with Leah's second child, Simon or Shimon. Which of course, one says, wait a second, why not Reuben? What happened to Reuben? So everybody we know, that the story of Joseph and his brothers is one of the most important stories in the Torah. The story of Joseph and his brothers is a story of brothers jealous of another brother who can't hear the call and the question of Cain in chapter 4 of the book of Genesis, are, am I my brother's keeper? And the brothers of Joseph answer, we are certainly not. We are going to sell him into slavery. And that enmity, that energy between the brothers, between the tribes, follows all of Jewish history. And here in this moment of cataclysmic prognostication, a prophetic warning of Moses. A brother who would otherwise be on the mountain receiving blessing, two brothers. They transfer themselves over to the mountain that is the mountain of cursing and thereby Joseph and Benjamin, the two tribes, they themselves are now on the blessing mountain. The entire reading here speaks to a willingness to extend ourselves for the sake of our brothers and sisters, to put ourselves in their shoes, to imagine ourselves that the blessings that we receive, the privileges that we have been given, the conditions that we have as a birthright might be willfully and intentionally offered, that we might stand together with those who by birth order are on cursed mountain. This morning's reading speaks to an awareness of privilege. And whether we find ourselves in privilege for whatever way, shape, or form that that appears, each and every one of us to some degree has some degree of privilege.
And whether or not you are in the school that says that that is a bad thing, it's not a bad thing. Or whether you're someone who says, I should not even worry about privilege. Privilege? I had a tough childhood. How am I privileged? The promise this morning in hearing about blessings and curses is that there's a blessing already in the way that the tribes stood together on those mountains. And as the vision of the mountains recedes and its potentially problematic theological expression, we have here a fixing of the original sin, which was not in the Garden of Eden, but when Cain and Abel met and one killed the other. We have here a tikkun, a fixing, a willingness to voluntarily and intentionally and really compassionately and courageously stand in with those that one might put at an arm's length and say, oh, sorry. That call on the Shabbat on which we will begin Stichot tomorrow night is a powerful call to brotherhood, sisterhood, a common humanity. And it begins with a reflection upon the privileges that we have and how we might align ourselves and ally ourselves with those who are less fortunate than we are in this world. This Aliyah, this is known as the Open Up, where we invite members of the community to stand forward. And if you want to stand with Torah to receive this blessing at this mountain, the blessing of the brothers who were willing to stand together with those who had less than them and who were less privileged. If that is where you are or where you would like to be in the coming year ahead, we invite you to stand up and to open up, to come forward to the Torah this morning for the first Aliyah.